Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and today is August 29th, 2006, and it's a pleasure being uh, with you this morning. Uh, this morning, I am going to interview John Phelps, who's a product manager for neuro applications and also for WebSpace at Siemens. And since my experience in NeuroCT is not always the greatest, since I don't do NeuroCT, I wanted to ask John a few of the practical questions that people continually ask us on CT is Us. Before I do that, let me just tell you what else is happening. So last night I went to see Shakira in concert. If you haven't seen a crazy concert with someone who can really dance and sing and drive the audience crazy, that was a Shakira concert. I saw, him at the, saw her at the Verizon Center in D.C., an outstanding concert. You know, she does that thing with the hips. You have to know the MTV video to understand. But if you get a chance, we'll plug that Shakira concert. And perhaps she'll be uh, stopping by someday and we'll interview her. But uh, since we can't John interview Phelps, her, we'll interview way, John Phelps. Just by a little bit of history, John was uh, John worked at Hopkins with me for a number of years and has been with Siemens for a number of years now. And John's a terrific guy, and he has a great understanding of many of the aspects of CT. And so I'm going to ask him a few of the practical questions that people uh, send to ask the fish, and John's going to help us out. John, good morning. Hey, Elliot. It's great to see you again. So let me ask you the first question. What are the specific advantages and disadvantages when making the choice between using spiral versus sequence for routine head CT? When it comes to some of the advantages and disadvantages of uh, spiral versus sequence, um, to me it really comes down to a workflow question. Uh, when I'm on site and dealing with a radiologist, uh, ideally what do they want to do on the back end? If, is it, if it's one of those questions where they, they want to... Uh, perform thin, thin slice reconstructions, whether it's for like a stealth study or a 3D model or just having that ability, then we'll tend to lean towards a spiral acquisition. Uh, obviously, because we have that ability sequence, you're kind of locked in with those slice thicknesses that you acquire the data. Uh, also, another aspect of a workflow is uh, in trauma and pediatric uh, situations. Um, faster acquisitions obviously help in decreasing the amount of possible patient motion and artifacts related and the overall time of the acquisition uh, as well as you know you can some sites can have a combination where you can have like a trauma protocol that's a spiral and then for regular diagnostic heads maybe a sequence protocol uh, so to me right off the bat it's a workflow question what do you want to do on the back end or in the event of different possibilities uh, in the, in your clinical setting also, another big aspect is the perception uh, or personal taste by the neuroradiologist or radiologist. And, and I think a lot of that stems from, from a lot of sites that I've visited uh, from their residency program or training or wherever they did the bulk of their um, their training at. And this usually molds their, their taste and their perception and, and what they want. Um, usually uh, radiation, albeit the spiral, may be a touch of... Uh, uh, more in dose, but in the end, it, it's very hard to make that comparison due to the different uh, parameters, whether it's rotation time, uh, KV, MAS, uh, and so forth, and just pl what type of acquisition mode, different type of collimator slice thickness uh, choices. So it's hard to make a comparison, but that shouldn't be, from my experience, the, the ultimate determining factor. It's usually a perception, what the personal taste of that reading physician, as well as the workflow uh, questions and how you foresee what you want to do with that data 
afterwards or potentially. And one thing I like to add is is that typically vendors um, will will keep introducing new features, uh, whether it's kernels, modes, and so forth, to future software versions. Um, so you should always be on the lookout what might be coming around the corner in, in the ideal uh, trying to improve head image quality between sequence and spiral. Okay, very good. Let me ask you another question. Do you have any specific tricks for improving image quality, particularly when uh, imaging the posterior fossa or temporal bones? Now, tips for improving the quality of the posterior fossa, yes, we have an automatic bone correction algorithm uh, that has been included into the standard image reconstruction. Uh, This uh, iterative technique reduces typical artifacts arising from uh, the beam hardening effect and are incorporated into the scan protocol with without any additional post-processing. Um, this used to be uh, uh, different in the past where you had to take that data and then apply a certain algorithm or filter to it to clean up the beam hardening. But from this point on, it's it's incorporated into the protocol, which is, from a workflow perspective, very nice. Um, this advanced algorithm allows for uh, excellent image quality in the posterior fossa, um, and like I said, this used to be known on certain older versions of software as a PFO filter that you had to apply, but now it's incorporated into the into the scan protocol reconstruction. Um, in addition to the posterior faucet, it also improves the overall hit image quality uh, noted by some. Uh, lastly, the, the special adaptive convolution, or what we call kernels, algorithms to others, um, have a have a big uh, influence on the presentation of a head image and are ultimately can be built and selected by the user um, and typically they're displayed on a smooth to sharp type of scale uh, for example for example like an h31 is a lot smoother versus an h70 which is sharper um, so uh, in between there, there's a lot of different levels of smoothness and sharpness that the user can experiment or troubleshoot with. Um, but this is in combination with your PFO um, uh, filter that's already applied into the image and thus able ultimately trying to improve the sharpness to noise ratio of the image. Um, the selection of the appropriate kernel is ultimately a site-specific question when we get on site and it's and it's truly is left up to the individuals reading those scans but yes there are there are posterior fossa correction algorithms uh, incorporated into the protocol protocols currently okay let me ask you one final question what is the best or the proper patient position for good head ct quality some people put the patient flat for example on a trauma patient on the tabletop other people use a head holder does it make a difference is one better than the other what do you recommend people do? The last question, as far as the patient positioning techniques for good head CT image quality is very important, and it's kind of one of those rules where um, trash in, trash out, garbage in, garbage out, whatever uh, metaphor you want to use or analogy, the first and foremost of proper patient positioning is is critical. Uh, especially in multi-slice systems, trying to reduce the amount of angulation, uh, i.e. keeping the chin down as best as possible. Obviously, I know certain patients will not be able to, uh, but keeping the amount of angulation down and not scanning through the retinas will will, tr- will help tremendously. And making sure that the head is not rotated, it's the, it's the little things that will add, that could have uh, ramifications down the, down the line when imaging through the head. Another aspect is using the appropriate head holder device. Um, straps and sponges. 
Uh, obviously, sponges to, de- to decrease the amount of motion artifacts, but straps as well. But the, the manufacturers, the vendors build these special devices for a purpose, and that's to be done for specific exams like the head. Um, if it was a, any other device or, or holder, then obviously they would tell you that, but it's not. These are very specific to head imaging. Um, also, another important aspect is to isocenter the the patient's head accordingly. Multi-slice systems are more sensitive to non-isocentered objects, whether it's the head, body, uh, extremity, but the heads are, are a lot more sensitive. So isocentering the head is very important at obtaining good head CT image quality. Another aspect that I see traveling around to a lot of sites is that sites will want to scan a, a routine head tabletop. Now, while this might be convenient to the text at the time, ultimately shooting through the table uh, in addition um, can cause a lack of quality in the head. And, you know, lots of times sites will come back and, well, what happened if they're on the backboards? Well, what you can do is you can remove the uh, head holder device or whatever you're using designated by your man, by your vendor and just kind of scoot the edge of the end of the backboard with the head hanging over the table. It's still very safe. The patient's not going to fall off the table. You're only talking about, you know, 8 to 10 inches hanging off the table there. But what this does is it reduces the amount of material that the photons or the x-ray, x-ray beam has to penetrate through. Again, this could have a big uh, uh, influence on the image quality of the output images. Um, another key aspect... Um, is reviewing your parameters, uh, making sure that they haven't been changed or that they are indeed correct in what you had set in there, whether it's your MAS, your KVP, your rotation, um, what type of acquisition, uh, sequence versus spiral, and then all the different subsequent uh, modes between that, uh, and your kernels, uh, your sharper, smooth. Uh, again, I can't stress enough how kernels have a, have a big influence along with acquisition mode on the appearance of the image. In addition... Um, this might sound odd, but you know, making sure that the complete daily quality assurance and checkup procedures are carried through. Um, again, with the, with more slices or multi-slice systems, they're more sensitive to quality assurance and checkups, and that they need to be done at the regularly uh, scheduled uh, intervals. Um, and uh, a last note about uh, head uh, image quality is that. reducing or cleaning all the residual contrast from the head holders, straps, sponges, even the clear plastic casing that the x-ray beam passes through can ultimately have a a big effect if that contrast, and ideally what happens is it's just little dried pieces or drops of contrast that just kind of sit there, and then when the beam goes through there, you you can have artifacts shoot off of that. In fact, I've seen it on the clear plastic uh, casing where it kind of mimicked uh, a very soft di- soft tissue density lesion in the head, just the way it was where the where the drop of contrast was, and lots of all these things, whether it's positioning. Uh, make sure they're using the correct head holder and all the appropriate devices, not scanning the tabletop, uh, protocol selection, and just the Q&A uh, quality assurance have a big impact on the head CT. By far, heads are one of the most sensitive examinations that we perform as far as the, what, how easily it can be affected. Well, thanks, John. I'm sure our audience will find these answers very helpful. And with that, I wish everyone a pleasant day. And uh, thanks again. Thank you very much, and I'll catch you on the next uh, podcast.